I think Islam hates us. They have done nothing except wreak havoc and terror for our faith and our religion. We, when we stand up to those who oppress our communities, that Allah accepts from us that as a form of jihad. Foundations of society are fragile. We must be the shepherds of our own civilization. If anyone answers either yes or no without making necessary distinctions, both are not telling the truth. They're lying. Father, we pray that your word will become a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces. That you will raise up in this nation pulpits and prophets that will call the nation back to repentance. Will you distance yourself from those who think differently or will you join us at the table and talk about what is really important? This is the Maida Initiative, Conversation Without Compromise. What part of Somalia were you, were you born in? How long did you spend being raised in Somalia? Uh, I am from Mogadishu. I born and raised up in Mogadishu. I, I went to chronic school, primary, secondary, uh, high school, and university in Mogadishu. So uh, until the civil war, when civil war started in uh, 1992, by grace of God, I, I, I left the, the country. But I grew up in Mogadishu till when I was uh, around 23, 24 years old. And then what do you think is unique about being raised as a man, specifically in Somali culture? Like, What are, what are men expected to be? What is the ideal of manhood in Somali culture? Yeah. A uh, man is uh, the, the head of, you know, uh, the family, for example, I say so. And, uh, you know, man is superior than anyone else. So he has uh, dominion over the women and the children. Um, yeah, they, they have power, I would say. And Mogadishu, especially in Somalia, it is man-dominated society. So if you are a man in Somalia, you, you have power in different ways. Men, have, you know, they... They have uh, the highest rank of uh, military and the government and uh, any other organizations and, you know, universities, all kinds. So they, they have the power. So if you are a man, people will look you up to. So women and children, they are inferior than, uh, than that. So that could, sh could look like, uh, you know, uh, they, they have power and they dominate all things. Yeah, as, as a man in Somalia, in Mogadishu, that culture is so. So, like, why... If a man is trying to get power, right, if that's what the goal is, what is a man supposed to do with that? Ideally, what is, it, what is a man, what does it hope that a man will do with that power in Somali culture once he gets it? So if, if you have power in Somalia, you know, in the culture, you, you, have, a, you have authority, you have money, and you can, you, can, you can do whatever you want. So getting power, for example, into the government, so when you are in the government and you are a man, you can, you can make money about that or through that. So, um, yeah, money can give you power and the power itself can be, can be handled by, you know, what you have. And you can, you know, uh, you can bribe people and, uh, you know, people will vote for you, for example, and they can, they can put you in higher, higher, higher position if you are a man and have uh, a lot of money. So being a man, you have to, yeah, you, you have to, you have to be a strong person and uh, people will look you up if you have uh, the power and money together. So a lot, a lot of my uh, Pakistani friends, they're told when they, by their parents here, they said, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, or you're a failure. Yes. What, what is the script that you're raised on 
what was the script that you were raised on as a young man growing up in Mogadishu? Uh, say again? What is the sort of script, right? What's the equivalent of that? that what what yeah. do your parents push you to be? What do they want from you? Yes, they want you to be, you know, one of the highest in any area. So being a doctor is a high level. Being a general, for example, leading, you know, the, a lot of, uh, you know, military people or, you know, be uh, engineer or something like that. So the, the name is, you know, the high uh, titleists will be, will be, you know, wonderful for your family. So your family will push you, will push you, you know, they push you into all that and they will encourage you. Otherwise, they will see you as a failure as well. That's very true. So I've never heard general on that list before. So would you say that being a warrior is an important part of being a man in Somalia? Yes, uh, Somalia is a Muslim country and uh, in a, a Muslim person, so you have to have, you know, the mentality of uh, a powerful person. So if you are a powerful person, like a military leader, you can achieve, you know, whatever, all things you, you can achieve. So even Islam started like, uh, you know, uh, going war with, uh, with other people and those who were leading the war, they were more famous than other people. Like, like a general, you know, uh, leading a war. So if you are higher rank of a uh, military, so you, you'll be very, you know, high position in, in, in our culture in Somalia. Because uh, the last 21, 23 years before the civil war, we had a, a, a general whose name was uh, Siad Barre, who was a dictator, they called. But, you know, the, all people who were surrounding him, they were all military and were the generalists. So they, they had that power and people were seeing them, you know, as uh, wonderful leaders and uh, people could be dominated by, you know, that power of uh, uh, leading military. So generalists and, uh, yeah. So it seems like th there's, there's an idea in, in a lot of cultures, but specifically in some ways that people kind of, uh, bring Islam into the modern world that you have this idea that ultimate manhood is being the the best warrior the best religious man and managing power appropriately and yeah. if you want to be a great man you have to kind of be all three of those things you got to be the fighter you got to be the religious person and you've got to be the person who governs wisely Exactly, that's the mentality we have in Somalia. That's in our culture, you know. You, you have to be a warrior, you have to be a religious man, and you have to, yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, you, will be, you will be weak and people can hunt you down. But if you are, a, you know, military warrior, general like that, and have, uh, you know, surrounding your generalists or your, your military uh, guys, so that, that's uh, the best man or, you know, the best ideal person, you know, to to lead a, a country like Somalia, which is, is Muslim. Because if you are just general and not knowing the, you know, the religion and not best person as a religion, it would be, you know, not be compatible. So you have to be a religious person and general or military person. So you can com be combined and then you can lead a Muslim country. And uh, the idea they have is like, uh, you know, uh, what you call uh, Khalifa, you know, you know, a Khalifa, it is just a dominated, so, you know, um, uh, the Islam society and Islam li uh, uh, religion, which dominates all things. So that's, uh, that's uh, the mentality they have. So, so I'm curious, as you kind of moved into the Somali diaspora, right, 
with uh, different groups of Somalis around the world. How do you see that culture being, uh, being it goes into kind of raising kids in, in the rest of the world? Because one thing I've heard here in Seattle is that typically Somali women thrive a lot better in the West than Somali men have been. Is that an observation? Is that something you've seen, or is that just one perspective? Uh, that, that's very true. Uh, while I was living in Sweden, we've seen women, you know, doing better than than men. And uh, the other way around, in Somalia, when you live in Somalia, women, you know, they wait what the man is doing for her. So women don't go to work; they stay home, and the men, uh, you know, men go out and they do the work and they they come back. And that is the way they dominate the woman. You know, woman is part of, you know, what he owns. But when they come to Western, uh, you know, if he works or she works, it, it's okay. But if she is without a man, she can be surviving still. So when she survives and she can raise her children, so she will be better off, you know, without, without a man who, who wants to dominate her or to, to impose her, you know, the way he used to live in Somalia. So it will be not compatible that uh, he will bring her un un under his uh, domination. So uh, women here in Western Somalia, they raise their children and they go to work and they study and they become stronger than, you know, the men. Without men, and they, they, can, they can still survive. So uh, Somali women, they, they are strong women. But in Somalia, they've been, you know, oppressed or, you know, discriminated a lot. So they didn't have any chance to show who strong they are or who intelligent they are, how intelligent they are. But in here in Western, they, they can show themselves, you know, how capable they are and how, how, how can they do better than, uh, than, than Somali men. So when you look at in the sort of in the immigrant community, what do you how do you see what, what do you think some of the good things are that Somali parents are doing? And what are the, some of the bad things? You, you see Somali parents doing? Uh, it is, it is uh, I, I would say they, some of them, or majority, they do doing good, good thing when they are together. But when divorce comes, it, it is very weak. And uh, the raising-wise, uh, uh, when they raise children together, they will be very weak. And uh, the children without parents, two parents together, will be you know, not, uh, not successful in, in society later on. But when they are together, they can, they can com complete each other and they can raise their children very well. But the, the problem here is the divorce. The divorce is a very high rate in Somali society when they are in Western country. And the reason is women used to live under the man in Somalia. But now when they're here, they, are, they have to live you know, uh, side by side because uh, the, the right they, the women have here is it's the same like men have. So men seem themselves you know that they, they don't have the, the, the authority or power over the woman. So the divorce comes there because they don't listen to each other now or they, you know, by somehow. So when divorce comes, it, the, the, the society suffers or the family suffers as well. Anyways, women are doing very good, uh, good thing, still good, uh, doing good thing without men. But it is in, uh, I think it is uh, in all cultures nowadays, those who came to, to Europe or to America because of the culture uh, crash or, 
you know, people, they, they don't know how to integrate society or the language barrier or all kind. But I, I believe if a family are together, man and woman together, raising their children together, that would be wonderful. But if they divorce or, you know, man leaves or a woman not satisfied with her husband, that would, that would be very difficult for this family to, to, be, to be living in a good way in Western country. And so you're a father of how many children? Uh, I, we were 10, but now uh, we eight to die. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, a long time ago, yeah. Yes. So, so, you're, so you have um, eight living children. So No, no, me. No, not me. I thought uh, siblings. <laughs> sorry, I, I have two. Okay, two children. And, and two how, children. Yeah, how, I'm a studio, sorry. <laughs> how, how old are they, they now? They're both born in Sweden, 24, 25. Okay. Boy and girl. Um, so for you, was being a father and a husband something that came naturally to you or was that something that was very difficult to get used to? Uh, I would say naturally, um, you know, uh, let me go back to the way I lived in Somalia. You know, I, uh, I, my mother died when I was two years old and my father left me with his auntie, with his sister, my auntie. So I grew up with my auntie. I never had, you know, the love of mother and the love of father. So I grew up in Mogadishu in that way. So I promised to myself, you know, when I get married, I will treat my children better way than I've been treated before. So my children will not go through what I went through. So that was the promise I had in my mind. If I, I, I become a father, so I have to take care of my children and, uh, you know, don't let them, not let them down. So it was natural to me, and uh, I, I wanted to be a father one day. Thank God, and that that's uh, that's happened. And uh, and I still keep promise that the uh, the promise I made to myself. So it, it's natural, yeah. So that that's been there for for uh, for for a while then. So I, I'm curious: did coming to understand that God Himself is a father, and furthermore, your father? Is that something that impacted the way you viewed your relationship with your own children? Uh, yeah, when, when, uh, I, when we had our two children, we were still Muslims. And even at that time, we were keeping our vow because of my, my, my wife's saying she, she came uh, from a, a troubled you know, family, broken family. So we promised to each other, you know, that we will treat our children better way than uh, we, we've been through. So, yeah, um, uh, when we were raising our children, it, it was natural to us just that, you know, not, not beat them or, or hit them or, you know, raise voice to them, yeah, just to treat them in a better way that we've been treated. So that, that, that came in, in a natural way. As we were in Sweden that time, and Sweden, Swedish government have a, you know, a, a very, you know, wonderful law which protects children. So you cannot hit the children, or you cannot, you know, do bad things to children. And even if they see you mistreat your children or maltreat your children, they will take you, they take them away from you. So people were very careful how they treat you with, how they how they raise their children, how they, you know, treat their children. So. Uh, as a Muslim, 
in the same, some, some part of our uh, time uh, raising our children, some, some part was when we were still Muslim and some part when we became follower of Christ. So it was very different. But uh, the best way was when we became follower of Christ and raised them up because at that time they were eight and nine when, the, when we both became followers of Christ. But before that, they were children and they were very young and uh, we were doing what we wanted to do with them. But when they were around eight, nine, so we have to compromise each other because they know something and now they want something and see and so. So, but the best way, raising children in Christianity way, it was very profound because of, as, as you mentioned, a father a figure in Christianity is very, very wonderful. And when I became follower of Christ, first of all, it was very, very hard to me to call God father. Because I raised up as, you know, God cannot have son, you cannot call him father, that, 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 it was a blasphemy. So I was very, very, you know, um, it, it was hard to me to, to call father uh, to God. But at one point, you know, when I was still praying, uh, I came to a verse, uh, I think it's uh, in Romans chapter 8, when uh, the spirit which has been given to us, you know, testifies that we have the spirit of sonship that cries out, Abba. So that, you know, uh, gives me, you know, this is the right thing. And then I started, cry, you know, crying out, Abba, to him. And uh, every time I start now praying, I pray, our Heavenly Father, as Jesus taught us. So that build up, you know, the fatherhood of our Heavenly Father. And my father, I'm a father to, to my children. Not, not only that, in one point, uh, when I was praying, uh, I felt, you know, I was missing, I was missing uh, fa uh, father love, earthly father love. I was missing that. And now coming to, to Christianity and I have to call Father, uh, our Heavenly Father, I didn't know anything about the fatherhood there because I didn't raise by my father. So I was struggling by that, but you know, one moment I felt, you know, God Himself saying, you know, Shino, you missed uh, you are the love of your father, but now I'm giving you a double portion of His love and my love together. So He put His love into me that I will love my children as He loves me. So that, that's uh, the best way I understood the fatherhood of our Heavenly Father and my role of, uh, as, as a father as well. So I began, you know, treating my children in a better way that they will know even, uh, you know, uh, father as a better father in heaven. So, yeah. And I think everything you're saying is really, really important because on, I think in England and in America right now, there is an epidemic of fatherlessness. Yeah. You have either absent fathers or men who don't know how to be fathers. Yeah. And it's, it's devastating for children and it has different effects on men. So, so what do you think the biggest consequence for a young man is not knowing the love of an earthly father? Uh, yes, it is. It's very hard. It is very hard. And um, I cannot imagine, and I cannot, you know, uh, talk through that because uh, my father was absent and, um, you know, it's very hard and difficult. At one point, I remember when I was young, uh, I think eight, nine years old, and I was uh, in, in, in uh, elementary school. Uh, every child was, was taken by mother or father. 
And when I was coming out from the gate, I stood out and looked everywhere and uh, I couldn't see anyone coming to me or, you know, collecting me. So I was feeling sad and I was feeling lonely. And it was the hardest time I was just going through, you know, uh, where's my dad? He was alive, but he left the country to another country to marry another woman. So my, my auntie was an older auntie and she, she used to go to the market and, you know, selling uh, fruit or something like that. So I, I was growing with her, but my, my, most of the time I was by myself. And uh, I, used to, I used to spend my time forgetting all that by, you know, uh, occupying myself with playing, playing football or, you know, all kinds of sports to not, to not you know, remember what I, I was missing, like a father or a mother. But still, you know, your heart longs for uh, your father or your mother, especially their love. You know, and when you see a father comes, you know, to, to, to his child and collects him and, uh, you know, hold and hold, hold him hand in hand and by yourself, just there and no one comes to you. That, that feeling was, uh, was very bad. But I, 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 I think uh, God is still with us. And, uh, you know, I survived at that, that time. And, uh, you know, I, I became a sports, sports person. I used to play football a lot and basketball and, uh, and uh, gymnastics to, to just waste, the, the, you know, to, to kill the time. And when I grew up, I, I was playing football in, uh, in high divisions. And yeah, God was with me, but I didn't know the right God. But still, I can feel now and I can sense that he was with me there. And he is a father for the fatherless. Although my father was alive that time, but he... Later on, he came to, to Mogadishu and he died. He, he, he was sick and died, but I didn't, I, I haven't, I did not felt anything because I, I didn't grow with him. So it was just a, a random person who died like that way. But he, he was my father. I, I, but that, that's the, the way I felt. So um, give, let's, let's give advice to a hypothetical 20-year-old, right, who, is, who just got a woman pregnant is about to be a father for the first time and has no idea how to do that. How can somebody who's 20 becoming a dad for the first time, how can they learn how to be a dad? Uh, yeah. Uh, he, he needs, he needs uh, guidance and advice. He needs uh, someone to go beside him and, uh, and, you know, teach him or tell him uh, how it is to be, to be a father. So in this world, we are not alone. We, we have relations and people are surrounding you. So if you are 20 year old, don't be afraid to, to ask advice to other people or you know, people who you trust most, especially those who, who, who know God and who will, be, uh, who will be good advice for you. So you go to maybe to church or ask you know, a minister or a priest how, yeah, well, what you want to do and how you want to do so yeah, if, if someone asks someone, he will, he will get answer. But if someone tries to do all things by himself, I think that's the time we fail. So we need, we need each other and we need advice from, uh, from other people who are experienced than us or who have uh, the knowledge of, uh, of all these things or other people who went through this, you know, the, the steps he's, this person is going through. One of the most impactful things for me in, in becoming a father was, uh, God's description of what it means that he's a father in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Mm-hmm. And as far as I can tell, this is the first place in the Bible where we're told God is father. Yeah. And it says, am I not your father who created you? And then what, 
what it talks about is he found him, God found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye, like yes. an eagle that stirs up his nest that flutters over its young. And then it talks about made him high, right on the high face of the land, ate the produce of the field, um, gave him instruction. So I, I think the, the biggest things that fatherhood should be about, according to the Bible, have got to be protection for the people that God yeah. has called us to lead. They've got to be unique attention, right? It says, keep them as the apple of your eye. And then instruction, which is really important. And then there's an element of generosity there as well, that God calls us to be generous with our children yeah. uh, and, and demonstrate love to them in that way. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely right. And um, uh, when, when I see, you know, uh, a father, and how he can be a good father, I think, or I believe it, that will start from, uh, from home. And uh, when you love your wife, that is the first start. So, you know, uh, raising a child, he will be raised by you and his mother together. And all things will be seen by how you treat him with your wife first. So that child will see how you treat him his mother and uh, in, in, uh, in the Bible, I think it's Ephesians uh, chapter 5, talks a lot of uh, how we have to love our, our, our wives. Men, you have to love your wife as Jesus himself loved the church and gave his life for, for her. So we have to love our wives you know, as we love our body. And uh, you know, when you, you show that you together are one in Islam, you know, man can marry you know, in several wives, but in Christianity, man leaves his fam, his father, mother, and woman same, and then there will be no two anymore. There will be one, but the unity has to be shown by his love. So when you show your love, the husband shows the love to his wife. So that's the, the strong, you know, family you're building, and the children they don't they don't majority of time or many of time they don't. They don't do what you tell them to do, but what they would do is what they see you to do. When they see you loving your wife, they will love you as well. And this love together can be spread to the child as well. So yeah, that, that way we have to love our wives and then our children. And in the um, uh, same chapter six, I think uh, verse four says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord, so yeah, that, that's the good training that we, we can we can we can give them. But we have to be established and rooted on the Word of God first, and we have to love our wives. We have to love them. Love that that love will spread to to our children. So so that seems. So what you're saying then is that if someone wants to learn how to be a good parent, it's a good goal. But the first thing you need to do is learn to be a good husband. Yes. That's very true, yeah. So what go so speak to the the man who's in sort of you know he's just be, has become a parent a couple of years ago, is is married to a woman and they're going through something difficult, they're having a hard time. He's he doesn't feel respected by her. He there's a bit there's some kind of crisis going on, there's lots of different family members talking into the situation, gossiping about everything. What, what should he do in that situation? 
Yes, exactly. If we go back to, to the Bible, and the Bible is, you know, you, you can uh, cover all things uh, for how, how you build your, your family with your wife first. You know, uh, Christ, we said Christ gave himself for the church, you know, for the sake of the church. In other chapters, Jesus says, you know, I died for you when you were still sinner. So if he died for the church, when the church or the, when the people are still sinners, when one wife, you know, wrongs to me or she rebels to me, I have to show the love, still the love for her. When, when in that difficult time you show love to her, so in good time, she, she will trust you uh, with, with, you know, in, uh, blindly. So in difficult time, still, we are the head of the family and, uh, you know, you, the family will be, will be looked at how you treat your wife first. So even when she is bad to you, you have to love because Jesus died for us when we were still sinners. By that way, I will bring that to, you know, the love of Christ for us. And we have to love our wives as he loved the church. So we have to love them even when they rebel. So still, it comes back to us men. We have to love our wives in, you know, in bad way, in good way. That's what we promise in front of, you know, the marriage. When we marry her, so we, have to, we, we tell, you know, and we vow that I have to love her in good time and bad time. So the love has to be shown in a real way as well in that time. So fundamentally, kind of going back to the beginning here, right, that you're talking about growing up in this warrior culture where uh, strength and domination, um, pious religiosity, and good governance are prioritized. And obviously there's nothing yeah. wrong inherently with any of those things. But what you've done in your life is, is you've switched out that that sort of natural ideal which appeals to all men right it's not just a somali thing you go mm -hmm. through any ancient culture that's what the ideal is and you're replacing that with the servant leadership of jesus who instead of dominating on the battlefield and defeating his enemies and then governing them right he gives his life for them through self-sacrifice yes and then raises from the dead three days later, giving them new life. And so when we, when we make that our core example as men, yeah. that allows us to both lay our lives down, but also to gain new strength to bless people yes. so, that, so that those people that God has given us to lead can flourish and grow up with parents that love them. Yes, uh, that's very true. Um, you know, uh, as we started uh, the talk, uh, we talked about power. And when we talk about humanly power, we always talk about how we dominate other people, you know, how we are, you know, and uh, thirsty and hunger for that power. And that is uh, based on, on, on the flesh. And uh, when we focus on the flesh, that time when I was living in Somalia and I was Muslim, I, I was, I was, you know, and, uh, aiming that, but that this is an earthly thing. All things we 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 demand from this uh, body, it is uh, it's earthly, and uh, the, the body always desires for this world. And uh, in the Bible, it says, you know, uh, the, uh, yeah, what the body wants is de is, uh, is death, I think but the spirit gives you life. So having the spirit of the Lord now, the Holy Spirit guides you. All this idea I had before, 
it, it vanished because in Christianity, the humbleness, you know, you have to humble yourself at Jesus Christ became a servant, servant, servant king he became. So we have to be the serving, you know, um, uh, body of Christ as well. We have to serve each other and show the love we have to each other to, by, by serving each other. So by that way, even in, uh, in, in the family way, we have to serve our family. So all things will start from the family. So we have to show how we serve in our family as well. In Somalia, I would not go in a, in a kitchen and prepare food for my family. It wouldn't happen. But now here, you know, happily, I, I, can, I can do that to make my family happy. So I have to humble myself and do what, you know, an earthly person cannot do. But spiritually, you know, you do what the Spirit of the Lord tells you to do. So the power will diminish, but the led, you be, will be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides you always what the Lord wants you to do in, in his sight. Right, right. It's like Jesus tells us. He tells us not to be like the leaders of the Gentiles or the nations, yeah. right? Who lord yes. power over each other, but whoever wants to become yeah. greatest among you must uh, first become yeah. the servant of all. Amen. Yeah, that's very true. That's why, why he took him, you know, a towel and, you know, in his minister and, uh, uh, and washed the, the disciples feet. And he said, anyone who wants to be, you know, the highest has to be the lowest who, who can wash, you know, your feet. So that's the way we have to come. But we, can, we cannot just pretend doing that. In, it has to be from our hearts that we, we have to desire what the Lord wants us to do. And by following the Spirit, so we, we, we can be that. But, you know, living in this world, it's very, very hard because of the destruction and, you know, the attraction of this world will, will take you away as well. But the, the Spirit is very stronger than, than flesh. Right, right. So and I'd imagine talking about this to somebody who should like in the middle of Somali culture right now, right? Where there's all sorts of different factions competing for domination, that service is the path to greatness. That, that just doesn't feel like it makes sense. That's why it has to be a supernatural thing given yes. by God himself. Amen. Uh, yes, that's, that's very true. This is uh, the supernatural comes, you know, when you, when you accepted Jesus, that is the, the supernatural thing that you are coming into. So accepting Jesus, you are, you know, denying yourself and you are accepting him to lead you. So his leadership is, is the best leadership. So we, we have to deny ourselves and say, you know, you have to kill, uh, you know, uh, the desire of this flesh to flow the Holy Spirit. So it, it is... Uh, you know, if you don't have the Holy Spirit and uh, not read, uh, you know, the Bible, it's very hard to understand what we're talking about now. But some a person who knows who God is, the Holy Spirit, and what we're telling, what we're talking about, so they they will understand. It is it's very true. But if you are a Muslim person uh, in in Islam, you have you, you, the faith is majority of it is uh, it's uh, it is physical faith. But in Christianity, you have to be born again to have the spirit of the Lord, you know, born again as a spirit. So the spirit knows what the Lord wants you to do, but the flesh is still remaining in, you know, in a physical, physical appearance and physical way. So um, I know you're a busy man and you have places to be, but if people want to hear more of what you have to say, where is the best place for people to find your and your wife's content? Yes, uh, we have a Somali Christian TV 
Somali Christian TV. It is uh, YouTube. Somali Christian TV is a web website. Somali Christian TV is a, a Facebook page as well. So uh, daily, three times or four, uh, I mean weekly, three times or four times we are uh, live stream on YouTube. Otherwise, we, we post videos on, uh, on Facebook as well and on YouTube. People can contact us. And now many people are contacting us because we have uh, our number there so people can call us if they, if they want to know more about Jesus or if they want advice, if they want prayer, we, we're ready for them. Anyone, you know, Muslim or Christian or, or uh, atheist, many people call us just uh, you know, for friendship as well sometimes. So you can find us in Somali Christian TV. Okay, uh, and then, then most of your content is in Somali, right? But you also have an English live stream? Uh, yes, most of it is uh, Somali, as we're reaching out to Somali people. Somali speaks Somali language, but we have some uh, topics or some uh, videos uh, of some live streams in English as well. We just started, as we've seen many young you know, generation, young Somalis, or you know, uh, second generation, majority of them, they prefer speaking English. So we, we're trying to cover that group as well, in English-wise, yeah. Well, Shino, thank you so much for being on the show today. And thank you guys for listening to the Almeida Initiative podcast. We will be back next week. 